You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Listen, we win in Christ. I'm so glad to have you with us this Thursday. This is the How to Win podcast. You can get us on Facebook. You can get us on YouTube or Mike Moore Ministries. We're transitioning. I'm transitioning into full-time, into Mike Moore Ministries. So you can always find us at Mike Moore Ministries. Listen, this is a new series that I began in our last session entitled Winning the Marriage Game. I don't know about you, I want to win in life. I don't care whether we're playing checkers. I don't care where we're, whether we're playing basketball. I don't care what we're doing. I want to win in life. And you want to win, too, in life. So we're teaching on the subject, winning the marriage game. So our theme is about marriage. We're going to be talking about marriage for maybe seven to eight weeks. And I'm telling you, seven to eight sessions, I'm telling you, it is going to be a blessing. Now, if you are single, good marital marital counseling for you in this session. If you're married, whatever level you own, you need to get your spouse and listen to this. If you're struggling in your marriage, it's going to help you uh, to have a better marriage. If you got a great marriage, it's just going to take it to another level. We're talking about winning the marriage game. This is lesson number two. In lesson one, we talked about the goal of marriage, and we discovered that the goal of marriage is oneness. If you didn't hear that, go back and listen uh, to that. Today, our subtopic, oh, and I'm excited about this one. Our subtopic is playing together. Playing together. Playing together. Now, I have a background text that I want to read to you, and I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. And this will be the text. We're going to kind of base this whole lesson playing together, husband and wife playing together, the game of marriage, winning that game. We have to play together. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. I'll read it to you in the New King James Version. I want you to go back and look at this text. It reads, husbands, and it's addressing husbands, but the prior six verses, it addresses wives, okay? So Peter starts off giving instructions to wives and then husbands. But but this text is where I want to base this lesson on. It says, husbands, verse 7, Likewise, dwell with them, with the wife, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. 
that your or so that your prayers be not hindered. I want to read that to you again. This is a very powerful, powerful uh, verse. It says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them, dwell with your wife with understanding, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life so that your prayers be not hindered. Several key words in this text. Several things listed in juxtaposition. We have husbands and wives. And then we have weaker vessel as opposed to giving honor. And then we have being heirs together, grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So the instructions is is given to husbands to dwell with or stand by your wife with understanding. Understanding is a key to playing the marriage game together. You're going to have to play the game together. Husbands and wives, you're going to have to play together. This is the marriage game. You got to play the game together. Now, He says to husbands, you have to honor your wife as the weaker vessel. Now, that weaker vessel throws people. It throws people because people see it as placing the husband up here and the wife, she down on the bottom. She's the weaker vessel. Is he talking about weaker intellectually? No. Well, most women are weaker physically, but that's really not what he's talking about. But there's some things that he's he's comparing and he's juxtaposing things together. He says now the wife is the weaker vessel. Now, he's not talking physically. He's not talking intellectually. He's not even talking spiritually. But he's speaking to husbands because the ancient women, Peter's wife, reading to the ancient the about the ancient wife, the ancient women in that day were disadvantaged economically, disadvantaged legally, and disadvantaged politically. And when we look at the status of women, even in our day, women still are not treated as fair as men economically. And in some cases, they can work the same jobs as a man, make less money. They are disadvantaged in some cases, in some places legally, and they're disadvantaged Politically, talking about women in general. For example, in our country, we had the first woman vice president. Notice, first. And that was a big hula about the first. Why? Because women are disadvantaged politically. They are not seen on the same level as men are. That's why we talked about the first a woman vice president, 
and we'll talk about the same thing when it's the first woman. Why? Because society, it's not right. I'm not saying it is right. Society tends to view women differently. They're not as advantaged. Now, women are just as smart and most, in some cases, smarter than men. Uh, they work just as hard as men. But I'm talking about it from a societal vantage point. What Peter is saying there is husbands, don't treat your wives the way society treat your wives. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't take your position uh, in the world is a power position. The man has a power position. Don't take that same position that the world takes because you're in the kingdom, husbands, believer, and, and don't exploit your wives. Don't exploit them because in the kingdom, women are viewed as equals to men. Now, that's what he's saying there. In fact, it's obvious that he's dealing with society. He's dealing with society because in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, Paul says to the church, God shows the weak things of the world to confound the strong. He took the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. In other words, he's saying to the church, to the Corinthians, God chose you, yet the world didn't see you as elite, didn't see you as advanced in terms of your education, didn't see you as having clout and power in the world, but God chose you because God doesn't look the way the world looks. So what he's talking about is a beautiful thing here because we see in this text, women are elevated, wives are elevated. And he says, now you're going to have to dwell with your wife, not like the world dwells with the wife. The world see, see the wife as being lower. But he said, you got to dwell with them as being heirs together. Heirs together. Think about that. Heirs together. What Paul is talking about there is that a husband and a wife are heirs together. They're co-heirs. He's communicating mutuality. He's communicating equality. Equality that God sees that wife equal with the husband, a co-heir, a co-partner, a co-teammate of the grace of life. And when God deals with us in grace, he doesn't deal with us based off us. He deals with us based off his love. And, and there's no respect of persons. God deals in grace through unmerited favor. It's not something that we brought to the table that puts us up here and somebody else. No, he's no respect of persons. And he says that a husband and a wife are heirs together, co-partners, co-equal, mutuality. And then he says, if you don't understand this, your prayers will be hindered. If you mistreat her and treat her as some lower, inferior person, then he says your prayers will be hindered. Now, this is a powerful text of agreement. And I look in my own life, uh, in, in a few weeks, my wife and I will be married 44 years. That's a long time. 
and I love her and she loves me and we have, have a great team. But it took us some time to get to this place. Took us some time to realize that we were uh, teammates and we had to play together. But I noticed something. The, the more we got on the same page and began to play together as teammates, the more prosperity we experience, not only in our personal lives, but in our ministries. So today we're talking about playing together. Husbands and wives, you have to play together. Now, listen at this statement. Marriage is a team sport. I want you to listen to that. And I want you to repeat that after me. Marriage is a team sport. Come on, let's say it again. Marriage is a team sport. I want you to say it one more time. Marriage is a team sport. Now, there are different, listen to the analogy, there are different kinds of sports, different kinds of competition in the sports world, different kinds of competition in the sports world. There are individual sports, there, there's individual sports, and then there are team sports. Let's look at individual sports. Individual sports are sports that are played by teammates, are played by a person without a teammate. It is played alone without a teammate playing at the same time. And individual sport is a sport played alone without a teammate playing at the same time. So now watch this. Watch this. This is beautiful. Winning is based off individual performance. On an individual sport competition, winning is based off individual performance. Now, boxing has a ring, and one person is boxing the other person. Wrestling is an individual sport. You have two individuals wrestling on a mat. Golf is an individual sport. You have one golfer competing against other golfers on a course. Bowling, for the most part, is a team sport. You have one bowler on a lane throwing a ball against competing against others. You don't have two bowlers on the same team throwing a ball at the same time. Then there's then there is, pardon me, there's figure skating. You have one person on the skate. Now I know you can you can do some doubles, but you have one person skating on a pair of skates against other competition. Fencing is an individual sport. Archery is an individual sport. But then there are team sports. Team sports are played alongside teammates, and winning is based on team performance. Did you get the difference? Team sports are played alongside teammates, and winning is based off team performance. A team sport. 
basketball, team sport, football, team sport, soccer, team sport, volleyball, team sport, ice hockey, team sport, rowing. It's a team sport. It is a sport where teammates play together. So winning in a team sport is based off of team performance. Now listen at this statement. We said first that marriage is a team sport. Listen at this statement. In a team sport, the teams that play together at a high level of teamwork usually win. Now you know that's true, but listen at it again. In a team sport, not an individual sport, because marriage is not an individual game. In a team sport, the teams that play together at a high level of teamwork usually win. And so it is with marriage. We had uh, the conclusion of the NBA season a few weeks ago, and the Golden State Warriors won the NBA championship this year. I am a fan of the Golden State Warriors. If you ask me what my team is, I would say the Golden State Warriors. The thing that I love about the Golden State Warriors is they represent teamwork and a team sport at a high level. They recently beat the Boston Celtics who had a wonderful team, a great team. They had a lot of individual players. It could be argued that Boston had more talent. In fact, Golden State has won four championships out of the last seven or eight years, but this year they did not have the talent level of their other winning teams but they play teamwork at a high level. And when you play teamwork, you can beat another team that has greater and better individual talent. Because in a team sport, it's how you work together, whether you pass the right place, whether you play your role right, whether you assist each other, assist, uh, helping defending together, playing offense together, strategizing, being on the same page. Golden State is a great team, whether you like them or not. They are the best team. Team, not talking talent now. They are the best team in the NBA. So it is with marriage. Now listen, listen. The couples, husband and wives, who play together at a high level will have a great marriage and will win. The couples may be born again, may be saved. They may love Jesus. But the couples who don't play together at a high level, they will have an unhappy marriage and they will fail. We're talking about playing together. So the first statement, 
Marriage is a team sport. Second statement, in a team sport, the teams that play together at a high level of teamwork usually win. Now listen at this. Here's the third statement. In marriage, you're on the same team. You will win together or you will lose together. Now that's a simple statement, but it's a profound statement. Here's the third statement. In marriage, you are on the same team. Now, for years, my wife and I were married, but we did not realize that we were on the same team. And some of you listening to me now, you're married. Oh, you're married. You may be even say born again and all that, but you do not realize that you're on the same team. So many couples, so many married couples are actually competing against each other. They're competing. They're trying to overcome their, their, their teammate. But in marriage, you are on the same team. Whether you not like it or not, marriage is a team sport. And you're going to win together or you're going to lose together. That's just the way it works. Now, if that's true, let's go back to our three statements. Marriage is a team sport. Marriage is a team sport. Second statement, in a team sport, the teams that play together at a high level of teamwork will usually win. Third statement, in marriage, you're on the same team. You will win together. You will lose together. Now, that being said about this marriage game, we understand it's a team sport. We understand that we must play the game. Couples, you must play the game together at a high level. Teamwork. You're on the same team. Now, listen at this. So, on a team, teammates have every team. Teammates have needs. Your teammate will have needs. Secondly, on a team, teammates must play their role. You've got to play your role. On a team, teammates must make a contribution. So let's look at marriage. Husband, you have needs. Wives, you have needs. Now, Husbands, your wife has needs. Your wife has needs. Wives, your husband has needs. Now listen at this. Husbands and wives, you must play your role on the team. You must play it. Husbands and wives, you must make a contribution. On a team, you need teammates to make a contribution. It's not enough. It's not enough for Steph Curry to score 
30 and the other teammates 30 points and the other teammates make no contribution on a team everyone has to make contributions. So listen at this. We're going to talk about needs. We're going to talk about roles and we're going to talk about contributions the rest of the way. Now, listen carefully. Both of you, husbands and wives, you have five basic needs in this lesson. You have a need for companionship. Secondly, you have a need for support. Both of you. Thirdly, you have a need for balance. Fourthly, you have a need for admiration. And number five, you have a need for influence. Five basic needs you both have. And you both must play your role and make a contribution so those needs will be met. So let's walk through this. Let's walk through this. Both of you, husband, wife, you have a need for companionship. So your teammate, husband or wife, your role is to be your spouse, best friend, best friend. That's your role to meet the need for companionship. You must be your husband. You must be your wife, best friend, and you must make the contribution of quality time, quality time, quality time, quality time. You've got to contribute quality time. Husband, your role is to be your wife's best friend, so you got to contribute quality time. Wife, your role is to be your husband's best friend, so you have to make the contribution of quality time so that the companionship need will be met. Number two, you both have a need for support. You need support. A husband needs his wife to support him. A wife needs her husband to support her. Your role, both of your roles, is personal assistant. That's right. You have a role as personal assistant. Husband, you must be the personal assistant to your wife. Wife, you must be the personal assistant to your husband. And the contribution that you both must make is an attitude of servanthood. An attitude of servanthood. And in other words, you got to be willing to contribute to the support of your husband. You got to be willing to contribute to the support of your wife. A willingness. Your husband needs support. And as his personal citizen, you have to be willing to support him. Wives, you have to be willing. He needs support. You have to be willing to contribute to that support. That's your role. Thirdly, you both have a need for balance. Balance. Because you both have blind spots and you both have weaknesses. Every husband has blind spots and weaknesses. Every wife has blind spots and weaknesses. So here's, that's the need you both have. You both need balance. That's why God brought you together. So you can help this person your spouse with their need. And your role in this regard is balancer. You are a balancer. 
Your role is to bring balance to your spouse. Now, how do you do that? What's your contribution? You contribute differentness. That's your contribution, differentness. You're bringing differentness to the table because your husband needs balance. Your wife needs balance. So you're going to bring differentness. You're going to bring a different gifting, a different talent, a different ability, a different perspective. That's your contribution because your husband needs balance. Your wife needs balance. You're a balancer. So your contribution, both of you, is to bring something different, differentness, different personality, different perspective, different talent, different gifting, different balance. If you bring the same thing, there's no balance. Number four, you both need admiration. You both need admiration. By admiration, I mean respect, warm approval. You need someone to be impressed with you, impressed with your character, impressed with your abilities, impressed with your contribution. I don't care who you are. I don't care who. We all have egos. We have egos and we need those egos to be fed. Now, it's traditionally said that husbands have egos, but wives do too. Wives have egos too. We have a need for our, we have a need for our admiration need to be met. And it need to be met by our fans. So what is my role? What do you, I know you think, what is my role? If my wife needs admiration, if my husband needs admiration, what is my role? Your role is to be a true fan. What? Yeah, your role is to be a true fan of your spouse, a fan of, uh, of your wife, a fan of your husband. Your job is to be a fan. That's your role. In basketball, some uh, teammates have a role to rebound. Others have a role to shoot. Others have a role to defend. And that's the contribution that they're going to be. One person is to set the offense up. Another person is to get in place to be able to shoot. Great teams have roles that they're playing. They're not just running up and down the court. They have roles. So in marriage, it's important for you to know what your role is. Your wife needs to be admired. She needs to feel like she got something going. I mean, she's something else. I mean, she is just wonderful. She needs to be approved. She needs to be appreciated. She needs to be respected. And your job, husband, is to feed her ego. Your job is to make her feel wonderful about something, her cooking, uh, uh, the way she organized, the, the way she set things up. You, you gotta, you, you, your job is to be a fan, a true fan. Your job is to be a true fan uh, of your husband. He should feel good about himself. 
He shouldn't have to go outside of the house to find somebody who feel, who who excites him in terms of your role is to be a fan and your contribution is to contribute appreciation, contribute approval, contribute honor, re contribute respect. In fact, nobody, listen to me carefully, should feed your ego, your wife's ego. She shouldn't have to go to the office. She shouldn't have to go nowhere to feel wonderful, to feel like she's amazing. That's your job, to make her feel amazing. Your husband shouldn't have to go to the office or go somewhere else to feel amazing. A wife's job is to make him your job is to make him feel amazing. That's your contribution. And then finally, influence. Influence. Husbands need influence. Wives need influence. Here's what I mean by influence. You need, you need someone, because everybody needs to be in charge. Everybody needs to lead. I know what the scripture talks about in the domestic leader, you know, the husband and all that. I know that. I'm not teaching against that. But I'm talking about every person in a marriage, husband and wife, need someone to respect their expertise, respect their opinions, respect their ideas. Okay, now let's 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 talk about the wife. Wife. A wife she's bringing into the to the table in this marriage expertise. There are things that she's better at than you are, husband. She's just better at it. She's better. And if you think you're better than your wife at everything, you're just arrogant. In fact, you could almost be stupid, but I want to call you that. I won't call you that. Okay? There are things that your wife has expertise that you don't have. There are opinions that your wife has that you don't have. There are ideas that your wife come up with that you don't have. I am saying that your wife needs to feel like an influencer. She needs to feel that her expertise will be recognized. She needs to believe that her opinions will be received. She needs to feel that her ideas will be followed. The same for the husband. The husband need to feel that his expertise is respected. His ideas is respected. His opinion is respected. So in both cases, the husband and the wife need influence in this relationship. Not one person making all the decisions and the other person just following. Not one person bringing all the expertise of everything that's control. No. So what's my role, you say? Your role, husband, your wife, is to be an attentive listener. That's your role, to be an attentive listener. An attentive listener. What's my contribution? Your contribution is to submit and yield. Submit and yield. See, mutual submission is the key to a, a healthy marriage. Not one person just submitting and just following what the other person. That's unbiblical because 
in Ephesians 5 when it says, wives, submit to your husbands. In the 23rd verse, Ephesians 5, in the 22nd verse, it says, submitting one to another, submitting one to another. So your contributions are submission and yielding. Both should be submitting. Sometimes the husband is submitting and yielding to the wives, and then the wives are submitting and yielding, mutual submission. Now, if couples are committing to meet these five needs and playing these five roles and making these contributions, they're playing together, marital success will be the outcome. Now, as I close, I'm running out of time, so I've got to close. There are seven components of great teamwork, seven, and I'll give them to you quick. Seven, if you're going to play together, be a great team, there are going to be seven components of great teamwork. Number one, vision, vision. You have to have the goal, a mutual goal of oneness. We talked about in the last lesson. Number two, prayer. Prayer is a key to playing together in marriage. You're praying for your spouse. You're praying for her husband. You're praying for him, wife. And then you're also praying for this marriage. You're praying for your marriage. Some people, they, they argue about their marriage, but they never pray about it. Number three, selflessness. Great teamwork involves selflessness. Back to the Golden State Warriors. They are the most selfless team you'll find. They're going to pass that ball, and they're going to get that ball to the open man. They're going to make sure that they're helping one another, talking to one another. Most of the time, you don't see them running up and down the floor arguing at each other. Now, they will get on each other and motivate each other and hold each other accountable, but they're a very selfless team, very selfless. When Kevin Durant who, Durant, who is one of the greatest players to ever play basketball, joined the Golden State Warriors, you saw how they submitted. Steph Curry, the greatest shooter to ever play basketball, submitted to Kevin, and they worked together, and the team worked together, and they won two championships together. Why? Great talent, but they were, they were selfless. So in a great marriage, you have to become spouse-conscious rather than self-conscious. It can't be everything about what you want, what you like. I don't like this. I don't like to eat out. I don't like to go here. I don't like to do this. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't. Like no, you're spouse conscious. You're conscious of what your spouse enjoys, what your spouse loves, what your spouse needs. And if you got two people that's conscious of what the others like, prefer, need, want, desires, then you're going to have selflessness. Number four, sacrifice. A willingness to give up for the sake of the team. You're going to have to give up some stuff. You can't have everything you want. You can't have everything you want. you got to sacrifice your wants for the sake of the team. Flexibility, number five, flexibility. Great teamwork. You can't have people who are stubborn 
just stubborn, set in their ways, rigid. I don't care whether it's right. I don't care. I don't want to do it. That's a selfish person. That's a rigid person. You have to have flexibility. You have to have a husband and a wife that can yield, lead, yield, follow flexibility, give up their way, give up their idea, sacrifice, and then flex, go with the flow, go with the flow, go with the, be able to flex. She don't want to have sex every night. Okay, she tired. Okay, you wanted sex. Okay, so you're going to give it up that night. You know what I mean? And you're going to flex and you're going to grow and you're going to yield. You're going to go with the flow. Trust, number six. Great teams are people who trust. I've got to believe that you have my best, my best interest at hand. When I get open, I got to believe you're going to get me the ball. I got to believe that you're going to get me the ball. I got to believe that you're not going to fight through defenders to try to shoot when I'm standing there waiting. Well, in a marriage, you got to believe that your partner has your best interest. They have your best interests at heart. And then finally, number seven, time. If you're going to have great teamwork, it's going to take time. It took time for my wife and I to become a team. It'll take some time for you to become a team, but you have to have a vision of it. Vision, prayer, selflessness, sacrifice, flexibility, trust, and time. Playing together. Please go back and listen to this. Please go back and listen to this. Please go back. Great marriages have couples who play together. I trust you were blessed today. I, pl- I, I believe that you are enriched today. And thank you for spending this time. Share this with other married couples. Share this with singles. And I look forward to seeing you. We're on this marriage journey. We're going to have some more information in our next session. I love you, and you have a great week.